Everyone, welcome to another edition of Founder Wisdom Podcast. Today we have Olivier Gachot with us. He is CEO of Communo, very interesting company and very interesting uh, background this man has. So Olivier, can you introduce yourself and talk to us a bit more about Communo? Sure. Hey, uh, thanks, Charles. Uh, I'm Olivier Gachot. I'm the CEO of Communo, recently appointed uh, while the founder is taking a, a, a much needed break and a <clears throat> sabbatical. Yeah. So Communo is a, <clears throat> sorry, it's a company that started at what we call agency as a service. So yeah. helping marketing agencies find uh, freelancers, part-time talent in design and uh, and bunch of other marketing jobs. And as we, the company evolved in the past three years, uh, the company built a platform to serve that need. And what we're finding out is like a lot of companies are looking for a intelligent platform to match talent to their uh, job uh, posting. So that's what now we do. Uh, and we kind of uh, expanded our universe to beyond marketing agencies to like high tech companies. And we start to like, you know, place people in jobs like, uh, you know, coders or, or uh, HR people or salespeople, marketing people. So it's, there's a big market and we have two kind of like dimension. You can call that secret sauce is that we can white label the platform for the employer so we can use their you know logo and their uh, color schemes etc to make the job posting inside the uh, their website look like really very very special and and professional and then we help the candidates build better profile by giving them templates to create really i'm going to say quote unquote sexier profile than a standard linkedin profile so that's kind of like the secret sauce and in the middle between the employer and the employee <clears throat> we have a lot of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning to help a faster match and a better match. Meaning that, you know, we look at hard skills, your resume, your experience, et cetera, your education. We look also at soft skills. You know, are you a, you know, one person told me we're looking for go-getters. So you have to basically ask a bunch of questions to the candidate to make sure that they fit into that, those two things, the hard skill and the soft skill. That's the summary of communal. That's your definition of go-getter because, yeah, I want to go deeper a bit more than, you know, soft skills and hard skills. To me, a go-getter is someone that's like highly entrepreneurial, uh, possibly even um, someone that tried to start his own startups that always aim for top positions, top salary as well. They want to have a good life. Uh, can you define a bit more on your definition of, of go-getter and A-plus yeah, player, so, I call them? Yeah, so so I'll give you an example of someone I've worked with uh, uh, in the past that I'm uh, really close to now is, is more friend than a former employee. And this guy uh, climbed Himalaya three times. And that's for me is a pretty good testament of a go-getter to go three times. Try to is the definition. Yeah, so so it's it's a large, you know, go-getters could be uh, applied to a lot of things, but someone that has in his LinkedIn profile or in his Instagram profile, the fact that he climbed like three times Himalaya, for me is a person that has really uh, the appetite for work hard and to get to the that top level. And he's a fantastic person also. He's very smart, way smarter than me. So there you go. Yeah, well, that's that's a textbook definition right there. I'm a climber myself. I climbed the uh, Pico de Orizaba this year in, uh, in Mexico and okay. I, I plan to do Everest and a, a bunch of other stuff. My goal is to minimize risk though, because you know the odds are still 1% uh, chances dying on Everest uh, approx, but I want to bring that down to 0.2 at least to make my wife sleep sound. <laughs> 0.0 even better 0.0 but yeah, yeah i would never attempt that without the right training or and and the right physical shape so anyway 
Yeah, I think money can help as well if you can call in a, a chopper if you're in trouble and with a satellite phone or so. But yeah, uh, your CEO ego would take a, a, a slam. Um, okay, well, that's that's one aspect of, you know, being an A player. I think you're talking here about like grit, resilience mostly. Um, you need to be tactical to climb these mountains. It's a lot of planning and obviously execution. So, okay, that's a, that's a good definition. I'm not going to spend more time on that. I want to spend time on like first your profile now that you've explained the communal business uh you have a fascinating background because most of your companies they've always been acquired like you're a go-getter um obviously i want to ask you uh, this question first before i let you give us a, a quick uh, five minute glimpse of your your kind of bio like what makes you a go-getter like what why are you so ambitious oh wow uh <laughs> let's see I have, I have the, 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 I can say the luxury of being able to pick my, my battles and, my, and the companies I want to join. I was not actually planning to work again after my last uh, exit. And uh, a, a good friend of mine, you know, called me and said, hey, I, I'm a seed investor in this company. Can you check it out, et cetera. But I had some family stuff I had to take care of back in France because I'm from France. So I had to stop that job. And then this uh, recruiter out of Calgary, Canada, called me and was like, we have this company called Communo. Check it out. So I checked it out. I spoke to the two co-founders and to the board of director. It's a very interesting company. Um, and I really, it's always curiosity that gets me to join a company. And this one had a strange board with like people that have never sold technology. Uh, mm -hmm. One guy from the oil and gas industry. So I got to put those people on the board, on the, on the website because the board is really interesting. Uh, and actually I had dinner with that board member yesterday. He's a pure Calgarian, um, mm -hmm. half Ukrainian, very interesting guy. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so so it's really from the early days where <clears throat> I was looking for a job to <clears throat> to put food on the table. Now I'm looking for uh, <clears throat> challenges, and this one is a nice challenge because it's a company that evolved from no software to pure software, and I've sold software and SaaS software for a while now. So it was a, it was an interesting uh, challenge for me. The only negative of this challenge, like. It's a nine-hour flight from my house in Florida, where my wife is. So that's a little far away. Um, but that's it. I mean, it's really the, the 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 challenge and the people. The people is critical for me to be. And and we have a small team here in Calgary, about eleven people, and it's a very interesting team, very diverse. Uh, we have someone from Africa. We have someone from France. Another French guy. Uh, we have a lady from South Africa. It's just a very uh, complete team with with the the skills and the personalities and that's also something that i look for is join a team that i can learn from so tell me a bit more about um agencies that headhunt uh talent like you um how much do they get paid uh, on your salary let's say do they take like 20 percent if they find you uh, and how much of a CEO of your level, you don't need to disclose exactly how much you're making, but like how much a CEO of your level should make? And it, is there like a good amount of stocks as well? Tell us a bit more about that. So in general, agencies that hunt for a C-suite, they get paid between 25 and 30% of the overall package. Wow. Which, again, we, they started with 30 candidates for that search. And uh, we ended up two candidates to be flown to Calgary to meet with the whole uh, board and the team. So that's a lot of work, a lot of work. They did a lot of research. They had, had to spend a ton of time on psychological tests, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very, very complete uh, search. Uh, okay. So in general, it's like 25 to 30%, depending on, on the negotiation. Um, and I won't talk about my package, but when you enter a CEO job and if you are comfortable in your life, 
and this is what I did here. I, I kind of like let go of, of salary for more uh, stock. So hey. for more stock. So like typically at your level, I mean, again, no need to disclose, but my estimate is at least 500K a year and let's say 5% stock uh, or something like that. And in your case, it might be a bit more than that. Is, is that somewhat accurate of what a CEO of that level should make? It's, it's kind of accurate, but, you know, getting 500K as a package and the CEO of a company that is only seed, seed level is pretty rich. Okay. Yeah. In, you know, world right now. So uh, I'd rather take more than 5%. Got it. To double of that and less money to, so if we have an exit, which is kind of the plan <laughs> at some point, not right away, uh, you know, you, you have a comfortable package. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to nickname you like Mr. Exit because like all of your companies have been acquired and that's so impressive. Like every two years, you know, it's so consistent. Well, two to three years, let's say. Um, okay, well, let's, uh, I, I'm just curious, are you guys raising some funds currently? Like uh, yes. is it Series A or? It will be Series A. It's probably we're going to start the conversation by the end of this year. Okay. I want to really have a solid PNL before I go uh, look for fund. Mm. Uh, so right now, the money we're getting from customers allows me to hire a, a bunch more coders. So we have like a really good technic technical team to make the platform very solid. And we have a couple of customers in the pipeline. One is ready to sign paperwork and it's like a seven-figure deal. So it'll be good for the company. And it puts us on the map of enterprise software sellers, which is really important. The size of your deals and your cash flow is accurate to say that this Series A will be at least 10 to 20 million? Wow. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Ten. Okay. Five from existing investors and another five from a new lead. And we're probably going to raise money from uh, American VCs. Very impressive. Local uh, investors in Canada. And there's a lot of good money here. Do you feel that you'll face some um, uh, challenges when raising Series A of like an investor saying, oh, this is like an agency model? Are, do you have any plan to satisfy the whole thing and make it more uh, VC adaptable kind of? Yes, yes. I'm yes. waiting to have a couple of deals closed to be able to change the website and to make our story more SaaS software story. Okay, got it. Um, coming back to your past, and by the way, I don't think you, you answered the, the question about your ambition, um, but let, let's, the, the next segment is, is connected with that directly. You started in sales, you know, so in my book, people that start in sales, it's really do or die. It's like the battlefield. It's tough people, especially people that last out in this field. Um, so they're masters at uh, EQ, you know, like, and also they're very gritty because you get a bunch of no's. So you started your careers at Sybase. Can you give us like um, a short version of your bio included in there? Like why you started um, exiting? Like, well, I mean, all your business, they got acquired. There must be a, a strategy and a plan behind that. Can you give us a short bio? Uh, sure. So I'm going to go even before Sybase, I was actually in the French Navy because I'm French. Oh, that makes sense already. That makes more sense to me. <laughs> I was stationed out of the Middle East for a while. And okay. when I came back, uh, the set of skills that I had was not really applicable back in Paris. So I looked for uh, people that I knew. And one person basically put me at the bottom of the of the pyramid in sales, which is like basically picking up the phone and calling prospects and uh, and, and doing that. So Sybase, I, I started Sybase, which was a great company. And then after that, I only worked for American company, American based company. And at some point I ended up a VP of Europe of a company called Interleaf that was uh, also American that disappeared now, but doing document management systems. 
And then a friend of mine uh, told me, hey, I've got this piece of software that I sold to a, a trading floor in, uh, in Paris, Credit Lyonnais, and uh, I think it could be working well in the US. Do you want to try it out? So I, I shipped to the US with a guy, another guy from a friend, and then we pitched the, the software and we, we did our first deal with a, a company in Boston after three months on the ground. So I got the keys to the company and we grew the company to $22 million and we sold the company to my biggest competitor. And that's where I got the taste of like, if I grow fast, if I beat that competitor, I can, I can make enough noise to get people to be attracted. Then I moved to the West Coast uh, from Boston because I hated the winters. <clears throat> and uh, I love them. Then we went to another company, which somebody that I knew was starting and we went to the company. We went public. That was a very interesting experience. Not something I want to repeat because the life of someone like me before and after uh, going public is very different. It's a little more complicated after going public. Then the economy. Why is that? Can you comment? On, I think that was Actuate, right? Acquired by yeah, OpenText. Exactly. So it's just it, it, you have to follow a lot more rules. Uh, you have to report to investors that are not just like the oh, board. Yeah. Mm. It's like everybody on the planet. But it Headaches. was fun. It was fun. It was fun to do that. And the economy in the US, or especially in the Valley, actually, at some point around 2002, 2003, was not doing very well. It was kind of so I got hired by, mm -hmm. uh, by a bunch of investors to salvage a company, okay. which is, you know, save money because they had this company had raised like more than 90 million bucks. Yeah. And was, uh, was looking and it was not doing very well because of the economy. So the investor just wanted to save as much and restart a sales pipeline so they could sell the companies, which was what, what, what we did. Okay. And after that, you know, the, the, the great experience I had was a company called Lombardi Software out of Austin, Texas, that we uh, we got to a pretty high level. Well, pretty quickly, we got to, you know, 80 million, $60 million. And we uh, and IBM, that was a competitor, actually bought us. Okay. Fun experience. But in, in the world of acquisition, there's a lot of luck you know, based on what's happening in the world, the economy, et cetera. Okay. And if you have something that's really unique as a solution that are, you, your competitor or another company doesn't have, then you have a good stuff. And then there's a couple of times I was hired and I won't mention which company where people were saying, we need to sell the company. As investors, we don't, we don't want to put more money and we want to get a good exit for all the investors. So that happened twice and it was fun. That was very fun. Did you have stocks in all these companies when they exited so that you could celebrate too? And, uh, yes, the, of course. Okay. All right. Do you, uh, do you still hold on to these stocks or did you cash out like as soon as this was done? Well, uh, you, you cash out. Sometimes in, in, in one case, actually, they, they gave half cash and half stock from the other comp for the acquiring company. So you have to hold on to those stocks. And actually, that was a good, good thing because that company, again, that acquired me, got acquired later on by a massive company. So it was good. It was good also for me. It's, it's kind of fascinating to, to see like at, at your stage, you know, like you were mentioning that you're only seeking opportunities, which are exciting for you nowadays, you know, that now that you kind of cracked the money code, which uh, for a bunch of human is a, is a tough game. Now that you've made it, you know, like what exactly, um, can motivate you because I can, I can um, kind of relate and visualize the analogy of the Everest. For example, you're seeking like new summits, something that that's challenging that will make you learn. Is that something that, that excites you uh, nowadays? What exactly are you seeking for? Um, so one thing that's important for me also uh, is to be able to like, uh, make sure that the, the employee, especially when you're a smaller company and you have younger employee, get get 
quote unquote protected when you get acquired. There's companies that are, you know, especially private equity company, they will acquire you and then they will, you know, make a, a massive cleanup of the company. And sometimes they hire cheaper people. So that's that that <clears throat> that would be the worst case scenario for me. Having okay. people, I mean, when we got acquired by IBM, everyone, well, actually, not that's not true. Everybody except HR actually got onboarded by uh, by by IBM, which was fantastic. And my teams stayed like sometimes two years, and one person actually retired from IBM in June and stayed twelve years there. It was a very senior person. So, <clears throat> to me, being able to like share the journey with the people in your team and the, and the employees, but make sure that they're kind of uh, protected and let them decide if they whether they want to stay or not stay is also very important. Yeah, I guess working with top talent as well, your point is that you don't want to work with people that don't want to be there or don't have the same hunger as you, right? Um, <clears throat> yes and no. I mean, there's something also that I'm very happy with in my career uh, is that some people I work with once followed me in like two or three or actually four adventures. <laughs> that's cool. That's really good. Yeah, that's always a good sign. That's a sign that you're a top leader. Um, tell us about your, your CR role, uh, roles um, after the, the IBM uh, acquisitions. And obviously you can talk about LiveOps and Squire, which are kind of synonym, well, EVP synonym with CRO sometimes. And uh, yeah, we'll dive in in a couple of CRO questions after that. Yeah, so <clears throat> I, I can't go into too many details, but... Uh, uh, <clears throat> LiveOps is a company where I met uh, what I consider a mentor of mine that I'm still in touch with. Uh, he's a guy that's called Maynard Webb. He was a COO at eBay. Uh, they went public. He made some good money, and then he started to <clears throat> invest in different companies. He started well, he, he started LiveOps. He started another company that I work with, and uh, he has he has a, a different approach to uh, to. Uh, to being a leader. And one of the things he did is one of the first pioneers in, in saying to people, you can work from the office, you know, twice a week, three times a week, and you can work from home. That's better for you. You can bring your pet to the office. I think that was the first company in the Valley that actually allowed people to bring their dog at the office with, with some success. It's a disaster, yeah. but he's a guy I highly respect. And now he has a, if you go on, on LinkedIn, you see he has a, he has a, a, a it's not a podcast. It's like a, a letter called Dear Founder. And people go to him and ask a question and he answers on LinkedIn to all the founders. I'm reading a book about, I'm reading the book literally. Yeah, Dear Founder, uh, yeah. Maynard Webb, right? Exactly. exactly. It's a very good book. It's one of my favorite because it's so digestible. You know, it's like, hey, Dear Founder in 150 words. And there you go. You have your lessons. Well, some book, they spend like a whole chapter in 10,000 words to say one thing. So very good book. And so that guy was your mentor. Very impressive. It's, well, it's still my mentor because I still applied a lot of things I heard from him. Yeah, he's uh, very good. I was working with him at LiveUp as general manager or other places, but he has a he has a wisdom in him on, on high tech that's very interesting. Plus, he comes from that world and he's been there around for a long time. So I remember when I when I joined LiveOps, actually, my interview, my final interview with him was at his house in uh, Los Gatos or Los Altos, one of those two. Yeah. And I met his wife, who's also part of the uh, the, the investment uh, arm, which is called the um, uh, Web Investment Network, WIN. Okay. Um, I went to talk at a conference he does every year uh, near the Golden Gate. So it's, it's just a person that I highly respect that kept a lot of the that keeps complete integrity, even though he made a ton of money yeah. to the point where at LiveUp at some point we, we had a plan that was supporting of the plan, but at the board level, one person didn't want to go with that plan. So Maynard just left. He just said, bye. See you later. I'm like, Maynard, don't leave me behind. And I left after uh, very quickly after that. So, okay. 
Interesting. And then if we move on to your CRO roles, uh, what makes a, a good CRO, generally speaking? And tell us a bit more about the role before you tell us what makes a good CRO. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a tough question. Yeah, it's a broad one. When I, when I joined a company, even here uh, at Camino, is like, go put my hand inside the engine and go do a couple of deals okay. either by myself or with some help with the people around. So I understand the, the sales motion, the sales process and and figure out if we can make that repeatable if you don't if you take a CRO job and i'm sure like in a way bigger company if i was named CRO of a you know 10,000 people company i probably would not do that but in the startup i worked at being you know in the deal is really critical so you understand what makes a good deal what makes a bad deal and the kind of profile you need to hire so um that to me is the the the, the first step as a CRO or head of sales is to understand exactly how to sell what you're selling and the length of the sales cycle, the competition, et cetera, et cetera. So when you onboard people in the sales team, you can tell them, Hey, I've done it once. I think this is what I see. And then let's go do a couple of deals together. So to me, being able to like experience the sales, experience the closing and experience like, you know, the customer delight, if you will, that's really critical. Okay, let's uh, let's talk a bit more about uh, again sales. Uh, you have experience closing somewhat large deals. Um, I'm guessing you you have experience with uh, ABM account based marketing. Uh, tell us about the the challenges and the nuts and bolts about uh, closing these larger deals. Because on my side, I have very few experience. Let's say targeting Fortune 500 companies. Um, what's different? I guess the sales cycle is so much longer, and the strategies are are more uh, precise and, and yeah, strategic. Uh, what do you have to do exactly uh, to get more of these uh, large-scale these deals? Uh, okay, that's a good question. So the, the, I'll give you an example of the deal I'm working on right now. It's a three-year deal and it's multiple million dollars. And the secret, it's not really a secret, it's like we got to the right person very quickly, which is like, you know, I don't know if you know the, the, the acronym BANTS. Yeah. Yeah, so A for authority, this is critical. If you get the wrong person, you can you can basically go in circles until the deal disappears. Yeah. Uh, so having the right person and getting him to trust you and you to trust him, it's critical. So in the case of this deal I'm working on right now, it's interesting because we had, I went to visit them at the headquarter in, in the US and then without telling us, they bought ticket to Calgary and they came last week to visit us to see if we're really a real company. So we had to bring them to building, and then we had, to, we had a great dinner at a place called Major Tom in Calgary. Okay. Um, it's really, really like kick, it's almost like kicking the tires to make sure that the car exists and the car is in good condition. Because we were we're we're basically going to deliver something for them that's critical, business critical. So again, the right authority to the right person that's going to help you, like you know, travel inside the company to close the deal. But also, you have to have something that solves a big problem for the company. If you're, if you're me too, as a, as a technology, it's going to be very tough to do those deals. Um, so, so Camino, for example, this is something that uh, what we what we have right now is exactly what filled their need right now. It's yeah. matching talent to to this to to their to them to the company. Yeah, I can already see like some differences um, with let's say my company in which we close deals on Zoom calls. So it's like a bigger company needs to make more due diligence, right? Yeah. Okay. And yeah, regarding band, I mean the B, the budget. Can we assume that like most Fortune 500 already check that box? Uh, 
Yes and no. I mean, sometimes the, I mean, there's always be there will always be negotiation because people like to negotiate. And right now, so far, knock on wood, I don't have wood in this room. No, I wood right here. Um, it's been it's been smooth sailing. Now we're going to get uh, we're into the next six months with this company. We're on on, on we're right now uh, going to sign the contract on Friday for the next six months, and then after that, we have a commit for three years with them. So the next six months are going to be critical. That means I'm going to put a lot of human being on the six months on this account to make sure that everything goes smoothly. What we do with them is something that we have done many times. It's what we call proof of value. So it's a paid exercise where you put the platform inside the company and people are testing it, but it's ready to go uh, to be deployed in production. So in the next six months, we're going to have like a few recruiters on the platform accessing like their community of, of, of candidates, which is millions and start to see if they can match faster and better because of the algorithm for, for their need. And if that works out, which we confidently will work out, then we get into a, a three-year contract with them. Got it. All right. Uh, I think we're up with the time. Uh, thank you for showing up today. It was a highly enlightening interview. It was pretty quick. Um, I got one last question for you, though. Uh, what, um, what top advice would you give for business leaders they can be young kind of new to the field they're ambitious they're they're young they want to thrive they want something bigger and and, and better uh, what advice would you have for them um if i have one it's not an advice it's like one of the things i've observed is like you need to surround yourself with the right people at any point in time whether it's like three people 30 people uh and, and what we do here at Communo, which I think is awesome, is like we have the whole team at some point get into the conference room, the one I'm in right now. We sit the person, which I went through, at the top of the table and, and just ask questions, fire away questions. Could be anything. One of the person that, uh, that works for me, she asked me, what's your favorite uh, tennis player? I said, uh, Novak Djokovic, and she didn't like that at all. She doesn't like the guy. <laughs> but it's, it's very interesting to see the personality of the people. So making sure that everyone you hire fits into the culture you want to have in the company is critical. Yeah, I love personal questions. It can segue into like various business relevant topics as well and vice versa. And yeah, surrounding yourself with uh, amazing individuals. In your case, uh, Maynard as the, the mentor, that's like essential. I also personally run a bunch of masterminds myself. So I think it's super important to talk with uh, like-minded individuals. So yeah, good uh, good interview today, Oliver. Thanks uh, thanks so much. Where can people find out more about you and uh, Communo? Uh, they can find more about me on LinkedIn. I think that's the best. I don't have a profile on Communo yet. Uh, I'm not technical enough. Uh, and then uh, Communo, like I said, you know, we have a we're 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 changing the story a little bit from what we were as an agency as a service to a SaaS platform. Yeah. And I haven't had the time yet to reveal the the not reveal, but reposition the, the, the value prop on the website. But I'm working with a couple of people I've, I've worked in the past to refine the value proposition for Communo. So we'll be able to like update that in the next couple of months. Very cool. And yeah, Communo is communo.com, uh, right? So uh, that's, uh, that's it for today, Oliver. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. All right.